BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Preps. Spencer Israel, Joel L. Conan, uh, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Well, earnings season is upon us. How much does it matter? How much is it impacting trading and sentiment here this morning? That'll be the lead story. On today's show, we have J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Johnson Johnson, Fastenal all out this morning. Roku gave some prelim numbers yesterday. We'll talk about that as well. Our guest, Ryan Dietrich, uh, Senior Market Strategist at LPL Financial. He was running the show at 8.35 to give us his take on these markets and where we stand. Uh, in the meantime, I'll bring Joel Condon on here. Joel, what's the word here in the overnight session? Green on the screen, Spencer. Just about everything on my front page is green here, is set for crude, which is trading down 26 cents. Uh, Dip below the close yesterday, our close at 59 and a quarter, just had a slight dip to 52 and a half and then turned around on a dime. Went north, your pre-market high, 28.08. That's just short of, uh, we'll call it the real high of the move, uh, 28.09.50 was your high on Thursday. They got a little excited in the Sunday after hour session and took it to 19.50. So there's a target for you on the upside. Uh, but if we're going to do anything within the average daily range, uh, we could be trading much higher than that. Our uh, Let's go March 10th high at 28.73.50. That would be a real juicy target on the upside. Talking June crude here uh, is down 24 cents, 29.02. You got the rollover between the main June. So I know there's some uh, treacherous uh, trading in that. 
Gold, well over 1700 up a dime at 1761 and a half. Silver having a great day trying to get over 16. It did earlier, traded up to 1608 and a half, up 39.3 cents at 15.93. And Bitcoin bouncing a bit, up $35 at $6,845. Well, I want to I wanna pat Triple D and, and Spencer on the back yesterday. They were saying... To buy the dip, I know I, I called a, a little early decline, but uh, the buy the dippers are out there yesterday, Dennis, in full force. Yeah, they're looking for any dip to buy. Um, props to you too, Joel, because you were calling the sell-off, which which did happen right off the hop. You were looking really good with that call. So I guess we were both right because I was saying buy any dip. Um, like I'm looking to buy the dips on stocks because – I think there's so much cash on the sidelines and people now have the FOMO and that's exactly what we saw here overnight. It's what we saw to a certain extent yesterday afternoon after we were down pretty substantially. It was a pretty steep sell off almost a hundred points from the highs there, Joel on the S and P they came in with their buying shoes on once again. And if you look this morning, it's groundhog day, same story, the earnings we've got so far, you know, a couple, nothing short of disasters, really, uh, but expected. And this earnings season, I'm going to say the expectations are as low as they've possibly ever been in the history of all earnings seasons. The earnings expectations are so low. The bar is not even, you know, it's not like a limbo bar. It's like buried beneath the ground. There is very little chance that a lot of companies are going to become able to come in under the bar that is so incredibly low and let's just go to the two banks that have reported this morning jp morgan and wells fargo both missing uh both missing substantially which was to be expected and i think that's the issue is that for for the bears the issue for the bears is that this market has so much bad news already priced into it that it's going to be hard to shake the buy the dippers I'll just give you the numbers here for, uh, I guess, for both of them. So J.P. Morgan reported, I, I don't know how much the earnings matter. They probably don't matter much. The earnings per Obviously. share for the earnings, <laughs> yeah, the earnings per share for last quarter, seventy-eight cents uh, versus a buck eighty-four estimate. So big miss, but not. That's not a forward-looking number in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the the sales uh, in the first quarter, twenty-nine. Uh, 0.1 versus 29.6 billion dollars. So light on that number as well. Again, I don't know how much that matters. They did set aside 8.29 billion for bad loans to, to J.P. Morgan. That's interesting. Well, that sounds bullish. <laughs> sure. Uh, also, the only real guidance that they gave was with regards to net interest income, which they guided would fall, uh, or they they lowered it. Um, from 57 to 55 and a half billion dollars. But aside from that, they really didn't give any forward-looking statements of any kind in their report. Uh, and I'll just pull up Wells Fargo. Well so just here. to summarize, they miss, miss big on time on the top. They miss big time on the bottom. They take down a whole bunch of money because they're anticipating a lot of bad loans. And they didn't yeah. say about anything about anything going forward and the stock's up 1.2%. Yeah, I mean, their trading revenue is up. That's That's good, right? I would hope so. <laughs> I, yeah, if you're a trader in this, and you're doing any type of inefficiency trading, you're kicking some butt, really. I mean, like I said, March was my best month in 11 years. So, I mean, this from a trading perspective, like my day trading account, which is upright trading, 
uh, that was my best month in 11 years. So, I mean, yeah, that's why you think like Virtue Financial going on the tangent to probably kick and butt. I mean, I like, like that wasn't even my best month in 11 years. I think it doubled my, any other month that I've had in the last 11 years. So March was just incredible trading. Yeah, so again, throw the estimates out the window. You can honestly kind of throw the numbers out the window too because they missed on they missed badly. You knew it'd be, it'd be bad. Uh, to me, the fact that they, they didn't really give any forward-looking statements is more notable than anything else. Uh, Wells Fargo here, they reported one cent. Is that right? A one cent EPS versus a sixty-one cent estimate. Yeah. And a revenue of seventeen point seven versus nineteen point three billion dollars. So again. Throw those numbers out the window because they re- we knew they'd be bad. They really don't matter. Uh, I don't know. I mean, bad loans coming their way too. Did they say anything about uh, preparing for the bad loans? Uh, they set aside four billion dollars. Okay, so they set yeah. so both banks setting aside because they know some bad loans are coming their way. Yep. I mean, it's a matter of how ugly it gets from the bad loans perspective. So right now we saw it with the economic data. You know, that was the tip off that they're probably going to buy the stocks um, or they, they were buying the stocks on that horrible economic data. So they're probably not going to sell them off on bad earnings either. Eventually, you get a little ways in that trade will get crowded and they probably will start selling off some. But if you're reporting early in this earnings season, you kind of got to pass. I mean, Johnson & Johnson, let's go do their earnings too. I'm assuming their earnings were actually good because J&J would have sold out just like Costco. And the stocks that have held up, if they, so, so let's clarify something. The stocks that are in the gutter that have, you know, basically uh, have been going down, 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 and you know, obviously rallied in the last couple of weeks, but the stocks that have been hit significantly from the all-time highs, those are the ones that are getting the pass. The stocks like Johnson & Johnson, which are not even that far from their all-time highs, are not going to get a pass. So I'm assuming J&J's numbers were actually good. Uh, they were actually good, and they gave some guidance, which I was telling Joel yesterday at 4 o'clock. That's what I wanted to see. So the EP, just EPS for J&J, $2.30 for a buck ninety-nine estimate, sales of $20.69 billion versus $19.4 billion. So they beat on both their estimates for the top and the bottom line. They also uh, cut their fiscal year adjusted EPS guidance uh, by, it looks like about a dollar and a half. They cut it from the high $8 low $9 range to the uh, mid to high $7 range. Uh, so, but the fact that they, they even gave something is notable to me. So they gave us some sort of new uh, bar to reach for, and they beat on both their numbers for last quarter. So I like that. So beat, nice beat on the top, nice beat on the bottom, and they gave us some guidance. So that's pretty good. So yeah. there you are on J&J. Um, it's trading up here. One thing I will say is, I'm not chasing J and J and all time highs. Like it's, I know it's a ways off from all time highs. I think it's 154. But here you are, you're seven, eight percent away from all time highs. Um, the stock was 110 bucks when it hit the lows there three weeks ago. Now you're going to come in and you're buying at 144. You're basically saying this is going all time highs. I don't think they want to pump anything to all time highs. I think a lot of good news um, is now priced potentially into Johnson Johnson. You know, we know that they're working on some therapies or potential vaccine as well. So, you know, some of the drug stocks have had pretty good moves and they're not that far off the all-time highs. So I'm not buying any stock that's sitting 3 4% from its all-time high or five or maybe 7% in this case of J&J. So nice numbers. I'm probably not going to short it either, but I'd, I'd watch it. If this one, you know, opens up and starts to leak right away, then you could see the potential act, you know, because it's a crazy market right now. If they hit the stock with the good earnings and buy the stock with the bad earnings, it's a funny market right now. So, you know, fundamentals out the window, 
Um, it's all about technicals here, and that's why we're going to bring in our technical analyst here now to break down the action in all of these names. Yeah, let's uh, let's first go with the J.P. Morgan, and as I've reiterated, this is a, a stock that I've gotten tagged uh, trading on earnings day. It got just extremely uh, all over the place and wild. But what I'll say is that there's someone that doesn't like this stock at the hundred and let's call it 150, 160. Uh, since 6.30 this morning, you've had several highs in that area. So if you're targeting an early long, you know, let's see what happens at 10050. If it clears that, then you got a shot at the high from yesterday. And yesterday's high was 10311. Uh, that's not quite the high of the move. 10439 uh, is that level that has been the high of the rebound. I'd also, I want to say that both, uh, now I'll just go to the Wells Fargo. They have, not rec they have not regained near their 50% like the rest of the market. So they maybe they're not getting hit because they didn't rally as much as some of the other stuff, all the stuff that went back up to the 50, 50%. Uh, for J.P. Morgan, if J.P. Morgan's truly out of the woods on this, they're going to get to 109. And not today, obviously, but they're going to get to 109. They're going to close above 109. Is they're that the 50%? One Why yeah. 109? That's 50%. 50%. Yep. So, hey, you know, if you're planned it up to the long side, that's your number. You want to see it get there? You want to see it get there in a hurry? If not, possibility of it, it rolling over. And then you can easily figure the 50% of what the rally is. But that – and that same thing on Wells Fargo. Now, Wells Fargo, I had to figure the 50% from the second, second butt kicking that it had. Um, I'm not even doing it from the all-time high. I did it from the uh, 2020 high, and that 50% is at 3993 I mean, Wells Fargo might never get back to the 50% from the 65. That would have to go to 45 or 50. Uh, so, you know, room on the upside, pre-market trading, they got a little spike. Uh, with Wells Fargo, I think you can use the range from yesterday. You got some pretty good levels. Uh, 33, 24, we're a buck away from that. You want to see that get taken out. Two-day high is 33.91. Coming back on the downside, uh, obviously, let's see what happens at the close. 31.41 was the low, and 31.43 is the close. If it did go red on the session, I wouldn't pay too much attention to the two-lay low. I would look for this thing to trade under 30 bucks if it, if it goes red. Johnson & John, I, we mentioned yesterday on the other show, uh, strong, got up to what? Uh, you had a quick spike to uh, 146.50. Uh, back under that now, the dailies tell me, and I don't know if you got anything, 145.42. I would use that as a target. Yesterday's high, 141.49, we'll use that as support. But two bucks away, uh, it really hasn't been stopping on a whole number or anything. Can you see if there's anything at 145.50, Dennis? I, I'm trying to open my book right yeah, now for some reason. Um, it's hanging here, and I don't know why. Okay. I, I, like I said, I got to get a new computer on this side computer here. Obviously, okay. I, guess, I guess I should just order off Amazon. Usually, I just go into Best Buy and buy one, but I guess I can't do that. So, or maybe I could do the curbside or something with Best Buy. But for whatever reason, this computer that I run my open book on, I basically run the show on it and I'm running the open book on it. And that's pretty much all I'm running on this whole computer. And it's just like sits there and hangs half the time. It's an AMD processor. 
which you know i've said i like the hp processors better but it is five years old it's too old so uh, my trading computer is good um but you got to have a good trading computer but you know when i'm only running two little programs i've been lazy with it and i need a new one so whatever reason i don't know why it's not opening up here i'm gonna have to maybe reset the computer so I have no book. So JV Spec, if you were there, it would be interesting to actually look. He says no size. No size on J yeah. oh, J and J said 150 is 133,000. That's obviously out of play. I, I would hope. I mean, the markets gets crazy though. That gets anywhere near 150. You know, if that like just gets silly. I'm not saying it's going there. I'm saying absolutely. All we do is scenario analysis. But if people get just stupid, in my opinion. And, you know, it's a bad word to use, but if people just get silly or whatever, I always say don't, you know, I got the two and the five-year-old, so I never use the word stupid anymore. I use silly, but it gets up near 150. I think there's a wall of resistance up there. Um, and I'd be a seller up there in the 149s. Like, so I would actually attempt to short if it got into the upper 149s, especially with the JV spec size that he's talking about, 133,000 shares up there. But I don't think there's any chance of getting up that high. Uh, let's just talk Roku. Uh, get away from the earnings for yeah. a second here. Well, I, this is earnings kind of because they okay. they gave some preliminary, preliminary numbers for their upcoming uh, report uh, for the quarter that, that, that just ended here. So Roku, I'll pull the chart up here. Prelim, preliminary Q1 sales, they gave a range of 307 to $317 million versus a $299 million estimate. They expect uh, Q1 streaming hours will be uh, – 13.2 billion, which would be a nearly 50% increase on the year-over-year basis. Uh, they talked about how much cash they have, and they said uh, their preliminary Q1 total gross profit will be around 140 million dollars. Uh, you so know what? I'm I'm kicking myself on this one. This should have been obvious. Um, you know, anything streaming at this point in time is doing very, very well. People are sitting at home. You've saw what Netflix has done. You saw the Disney. I mean, Netflix is making, is that all-time highs for Netflix? Very close. Yep. Very close to all-time highs. Very close. So Netflix, and, and the Roku number is going to help Netflix too. So don't kid yourself. You could see some follow-through from that move yesterday. You were fading off 400. I'd be, I'd be nervous um, because you could see some follow-through here in Netflix with those good Roku numbers. But people are sitting at home, and they are streaming. And Disney Plus numbers blow it away. Netflix has been running you know, they're going to have good numbers too. So Roku having, you know, a strong, you know, numbers and strong guidance is not surprising whatsoever, really from a logic perspective. And this market is trading off some logic. It's a rip now, ripping up 14% here this morning. That's incredible. Um, that's just this market. Uh, who, Spencer, who, who was asked us this about on the, uh, the, at the close show? I can't remember, but uh, someone said, and I looked at the chart and I put it on my front page here because it just looked like itchy. You know, it uh, it had the good day. It had the green day. And I looked at it and I'm like, wow, above 96.80, this thing really opens up. It also had a strong close at 96.56. And I thought it could easily see, you know, the, you know triple digits, uh, but that trade's over with. I'm not going to buy it up here. I can just give you the pre-market high. Pre-market high comes in at 112.79 is where it got to. Uh, I think that's correct, 112.79. Oh, and then it went up there again, and it stalled at 112.78. So you got someone sneaky out there to you know, maybe targeting the whole 113 area. So if you are taking a long in this off the open or you're looking to exit along. I'd see what happens at 113. 
Uh, on the dailies, uh, there's a high at 114.75. So that, that's, we're through that's, the 50% on this. Are, yeah, are we? I'm I taking think the high, that 151 down to, oh my goodness, it's got down to $58. Well, 168.85. Yeah. I got 168.85. Well, that's just... the all-time high. I was looking at the recent move. Oh, the recent high? Yeah, the all-time high is 176. I was it's just looking at that one, 151 in February. One more number I'll add here is at, at the end of last year, Roku had uh, about or a little under 37 uh, million active accounts. They're saying they added 3 million active accounts in, in, uh, in, in the first quarter. So they're going to be a little under 40 million active accounts. I'm, I'm not surprised um, that they, they're kicking butt right now in this environment. I mean, that's what you got to logically think about. And, you know, Peloton, too, um, I got to think that they're selling a lot of those bikes. And I had a, my neighbor, um, TJ, was asking me about this one. He's long at congratulations, TJ. I think this thing continues. Um, I think there's room to 35. I got shaken out of it. And, you know, me, I, I made a couple points on it. It hung out for too long. And I got shaken out the day that they were whacking Zoom and whacking TDOC. And I talked myself out of it. And that's terrible on my part because I wanted to hold the stock to the quarter. I think Peloton's got room to 35. I'd be a buyer pullbacks on that one too. Fundamentally, not in the long-term account, but in the swing trading account. Long-term account, still got it. No target. Nice. Didn't, uh... Did not do it yesterday, but I think I've done it six out of the last seven days. I'm losing weight too. Can you guys tell I'm losing weight, man? I don't like this quarantine. I'm not. Look at uh, this. You know what? I'm, I'm actually, believe it or not, the craziest thing is I weighed myself and I kind of felt like I was a little bit lighter. And I'm down to 203, and I'm hardly ooh. exercising. But you want to know why I'm losing weight? Because I'm not eating out. Eating exactly. Zero Zero takeout. Yep. So you, yep. you think about the calories that, you know, normally we go out, I'm going once a week prior to McDonald's because the kids like love it. And so that kills you. But then we always go out and usually Friday night for a nice dinner. You know, you go out, yep. you don't think, you know, a fancy dinner. And then you go out, you know, maybe another night. There's usually two or three takeout meals in there a week. So you think about that calories gone. And, you know, I'm not really doing that. I'm outside, you know, doing yard work and, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing some things, but my treadmill is currently not working, which is not good news. I don't know what happened, but it's, it's like eight years old. And for whatever reason, it doesn't want me to exercise. My wife tried to go on it yesterday and could not get it working. And it's been finicky. So I need a new treadmill. Maybe I should order a Peloton. I'm 200 bid. I am 200 bid. And then, 200, you don't think I'm going under 200, 200 And then, and then, and then <laughs> I will go, when, uh, when we come out of quarantine, I'm going to buy like the 205, 210, and maybe the 215 calls. <laughs> 215 <laughs> calls. I've never yeah. been to 215 before. If I go to 215, <laughs> All right. two, 215 uh, would not uh, be good news. Enough of the diet talk. People are going to get mad at us. All right. All right. More I want to I, I well, go to Dick's here. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods announced about uh, 20 minutes ago or so that they are suspending their dividend and buyback programs. Is the stock and, down? And, and, oh, it is. And, and they, don't know, they don't know when their stores are going to reopen. So uh, Okay. I'm not going into any retail. Uh, on the dips, I said it yesterday, I'm staying away from ground zero. So buying nice tech stocks that have some cash on pullbacks, buying, you know, higher quality names. Sorry, Dicks, your retail. I like your name, obviously, because my name. But with that being said, down 10%. Does the pullback back get bought? 
Possibly, but there's just so much bad news to come, you know, from a fundamental basis from these retailers. It makes it really tough. I mean, nobody, yeah, yeah, some are doing curbside, but the sales have got to be just terrible at all these stores. Um, I've got to think that retail is still ground zero, the epicenter for this. Obviously, cruise lines, airlines, we know that, but retail as well. Retail was already in trouble before this started. The big, and not obviously Amazon, so I shouldn't say just retail, but I'm talking brick and mortar retail has been in trouble for a long time. And we, we gave this analogy a couple of weeks ago. Was this, you know, was COVID, you know, they were kind of, some of these companies were just sitting on the cliff. Did COVID push them off the cliff? That's the question we still don't know the answer to. I think there's going to be, I don't know if dicks, you know, but some of these bigger retailers might survive, but some of them might not too. So I, I'm scared of owning any retail stock. Uh, the only uh, retail well, stock. Amazon. I and I, I said this before. I said, anybody uh, asks us about a it, just buy Amazon. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Just buy. Uh, Dennis, um, in the chat, BM wants you not to buy any more computers. He or she says they can build you one. Ooh, so if nice. you want to reach out to BM, they can um, maybe send Wait, didn't you. Wait, didn't you just buy one like a year ago? You just put oh, on I, remember, I got caught. I- yeah, but I probably did because I have three. I'm running three boxes here, and then I'm running two up north. So I got five oh. boxes total. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm I'm running three boxes here. So I think one of them died up north at, at my cottage. I used to actually travel with the computers back and forth. I'm like, screw it. So I just I didn't feel like <laughs> traveling with them. So I just bought extra boxes. So I basically set up up north, although a little lighter up north because I'm running it on two computers up north. But they're both new boxes. But yeah, I think one died last year. My up north one did, so I replaced it. But, you know, these things have life expectancies of three to five years. You get, you get five years out of your computer, it's pretty good. You know what? Yeah, I, I need another I, one now. Um, I've been buying Dells uh, since the early 90s and all Dells. Dells? I, okay. I've had I, a couple I have, uh, I have I've my, had good uh, luck with Dells. I have my – I bought this Surface, but it's like – if you ever see me, like, squinting down like this, it's like I'm trying to read my Surface. I, I can't change – you should be able to change the font. But, man, how's Dell stock doing? I, I mean, I'm old Dell. I, I own this one. This one's been bad. Ooh. I've owned this one for a long time now, a couple years now, and I'm in from around – Low 50s. I got up. It went and I had a nice run. It ran up to over 70. I was up significantly in it back in the beginning of 2019. Uh, but it's been straight down ever since. Um, they do a lot of debt too, which is an issue. Uh, but it hasn't, you know, obviously Dell 2 is also play on VMware because they have a huge chunk of VMware still. So if you look at VMware and Dell, those two stocks do follow each other. I have this one in the long-term portfolio, but it's been a dog. Dog, dog, dog. Bark, bark, bark. Buy more. Never frown. Average down, Joel says. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't add to losers. Not even in the long-term portfolio. I rarely add to losers. I have done it before. Usually not successfully, though. Usually those are really bad ones. Okay. All right. Did we uh, did we get all the earnings out of the way, Spence? Uh, we could we could do fast and all if you guys would sure, like. Sure, and that's a bull sure. market. Yeah. Uh, Fastenal Q1 EPS 35 cents for they beat by a penny there. Sales 1.36 billion dollars is in line with the estimate. So essentially an in line report uh, for Fastenal there. It's up five percent. 
a stock I've always wanted to own. And you know what? Adding it to my shopping list, I'm obviously not going to get it on this earnings pullback because there isn't one to be had, but it's a stock that I've wanted to own for a long time. I had it once in the long-term portfolio, and, and then I sold it, and I wish I wouldn't have. I mean, you get back down, and obviously, wow, we got a shot on Fastenal down at 27 bucks or 26 bucks. I guess I should have my shopping list back then. But, you know, in mid-March, it looked like a lot of companies were in a lot of trouble, so it's scary to pull the trigger then. Um, it gets back down, you know, in the low 30s. I think Fastenal's the buy. And obviously, that's not a joke, the nuts and bolts, but it is. I mean, this is what the nuts and bolts of the construction industry there at Fastenal. So... Um, I love it. I love it in the low thirties. Um, even though like we're not building anything. Yeah. Just because they're nuts and bolts going away. I mean, we're, and obviously you're, you're making a good point. I mean, could this, you know, get hit with a, with a recession that's imminent? Yes. But a lot of bad news has been priced in too. I mean, you're at $39, you're down at 30. So you're talking about 20 to 25% sell off. It's a stock that I've always wanted. Maybe a wait, but I, I'm not sure even, you know, if this market, you know, like we've said, the lows apparently are in. They're buying dips like crazy. The buy the dip hat is on. I've got my buy the dip hat on. I'm buying dips as well. So on a fast and all, if it was for whatever reason to turn around and start to sell off, I'd be a buyer. All right. Uh, I probably mentioned this uh, before on the show, uh, but my cousin Jimmy and his family his owned this stock, well, it was founded in 67. They probably have owned this stock since the 70s. And um, he's, we, I've talked been to around him. that long, eh? Yeah, it was founded in 1967. And he's just he been- must be up some money. Yes, yes. Cousin Jimmy's <laughs> a good investor. And he I almost, held from the 70s? Yeah. Unless, uh, you know, I was one of those that obviously didn't make it, like your Sears or- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you're probably doing pretty good if it's still kicking around. Yes. I go back to 1988, and the price is, I can't even tell what the price is. It's pennies, because <laughs> you know, obviously it's went up so far. So it looks like it was trading. Yeah, like, let me, uh, you know what? what a good one. So, uh, let me, uh, let's see. Buy and uh, hold worked in Fastenal. Yeah, buy and hold worked in Fastenal. Um, I haven't tried to talk them out of selling it too many times. Uh, but uh, what I did notice, it's up a buck seventy three on eighteen thousand shares, so it's pretty good volume. I'm just thinking, what about uh, what about this seller at the thirty three and a half area? Is he done? Three out of the last four highs were right around. You call it, uh, uh, you can call it um, thirty three fifty. So it, it's traded up to thirty four. Pretty good volume. Someone's uh, someone's goosing it here. Pretty good. So. 3350 I'm still looking at it closed above its 50% on one time so even if it close goes into reverse and closes over 33 I think that's a good uh that's a good sign for the stock uh if you want to go to daily highs you got to look at you got to look at 3546 and that was your high on the 19th that would I'm not going to give you a target like that today because I, I think that's a little bit t uh, too far away. But let's take out that pre-market high, get going next daily high. I see is a 35.45. All right, that's it for the earnings. Uh, I have some more on my list, but I wanted to share the We talk Tesla. We can talk Tesla. What, what an incredible move yesterday. Follow through here again. Jason Raznick must be smiling uh, in his in his quarantine here right now because this stock's been straight up since he was on the show. 446, the low, just the recent low, April the 2nd. 
it is now six ninety eight. So you're talking crazy. What two hundred and fifty bucks? It's up sixty percent in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six and a half sessions. It's up sixty percent in just over six sessions. Ten percent a session. That's just such an incredible move. You're buying it now. You're doing it backwards. Um, the fifty percent retracement of this whole move, Joel, though, even to the all-time high, nine sixty-eight, took us down to three fifty at the lows. So oh, what is that? A six hundred point move. You're three hundred and some up. You're you're just above it right now. Yeah. Um, couldn't have been more wrong about this one. Is there news on it today? Does well, it they're, need news? They are catching an upgrade as if that matters. Uh, from Credit Suisse, this doesn't matter. They're upgrading Tesla to neutral, uh, and they're raising their price target to like 580. So that you know, it's the craziest thing. Look in the pro and the headline here: Tesla striving to cut costs by seeking rent relief as coronavirus yeah. affects businesses. Yeah, that too. They're fur they're furloughing their hourly workers, and they're uh, trying to. I know. It's insane. Trying to negotiate their rents downward. The, 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 the craziness is, again, there's so much bad news in this market. Money managers are so – maybe Craig Johnson was right when he's on. Money managers are just so hungry for stocks. They're throwing all the fundamentals right out the window. Nobody cares about fundamentals here. Nobody cares that you're seeking rent relief because you're, you obviously no can't – or trouble and struggling to pay rent. We're going to buy the hell out of your stock. I mean, it's insanity – how much people are just so hungry for stocks here. It is absolutely insane to my logical thinking. But that being said, I'm buying pullbacks too because you can't fight the tape. You can't fight. You know, it was been trading logically for a while, but now the market, not buying te pullbacks in Tesla. I'm not buying pullbacks in Tesla, but I'm still buying pullbacks. And Tesla is a market darling. Tesla and Amazon are both market darlings. Amazon a little more justified because they're obviously everyone's probably not suffering here. at all right now. If anything, it's getting better. But I can't understand who's going to go out and buy, you know, a $50,000 or a $70,000 or an $80,000 car right now. I don't understand. Everybody, because Dennis. Everybody. Everybody is going Everybody's to, buy going to buy a new car when they can't pay rent. I mean, yes. these people, well, these people weren't going to be the ones that were, it's, it's, it's a higher end car. So I guess the higher end money is still there. So, uh, you know, it's obviously not your average, you know, worker that's buying a Tesla. So, right. Um, uh, well, I guess if Ford and GM and Fiat Chrysler uh, all go out of business, then um, nothing left. Yeah. Did you did you see Ford said that they have enough cash to get through the end of Q3? I mean, it's liquidity now. They're now, talking is that crazy? about here. It's so scary to think about this that we're now just talking, you know, liquidity. So they want to say, so we can get through Q3. Ford's good to get through Q3. So if we're, they're, they're just banking, like with the shutdown. So the shutdown, that, that's actually pretty good news when you think about it, though. If the shutdown is, you know, longer than Q3, Ford's going to need money. I think we have bigger so problems than that. That's quite a while to be able to hold on. Yeah, I think we've got bigger problems if the shutdown is still in effect at the end of Q3. If the shutdown's still in effect in Q3, and let's talk about this because you got Trump and that presser last night. I know we have a lot of Trump lovers out there, but holy cow, Trump, I don't know if he did that good a job on that presser last night. I didn't say anything negative about Trump because if I say anything negative yeah, about Trump, oh, yeah, everybody yeah. hates me for it. But I'm just going to say that presser last night was a mess, you know, and I don't know who, you know, with everything, but they did the little, you know, the video off the bat and then talking 
and fighting the fighting with the reporters is fighting with every reporter there. It's like, holy mackerel. So anyways, but what the take from that presser is, you can see it. Trump wants to get this economy open as quickly as possible. And they're talking about May. They're talking about getting it open. And, you know, whether he has all the power to do that, which he kind of said he did the total power or whatever, um, you know, obviously isn't the case. It's going to be a governor to governor decision here. But they're trying to get this economy open. The stock market wants to hear that. It's probably the catalyst for, you know, the rally because we were rallying before all these bank earnings that they want to hear this economy is going to open quickly. The stock market wants that. Wall Street wants the economy open. Regardless of the lives, Wall Street wants the economy open. You have economists that have come on CNBC saying, open the economy. So when they hear it from the president and they're hinting around that it's going to be in May, then, you know, that's going to rally the stocks. I think it's a mistake. I think you've got to keep this thing on lockdown as long as there's still, in, you know, the, the potential for the disease to spread. I, you know, there was a paper that was saying if we could keep it till the beginning of June, that we'd have a pretty good shot at, you know, containing this thing. And there might be zero deaths even by mid-June if we were to just keep the lockdown for the extra month. Sounds pretty good to me. But again, you know, you have a balancing act as a politician. you got a lot of companies paying you a significant amount of money, um, you know, obviously, you know, from, you know, you know from your, for your campaign. So you've got to balance that. And you have some companies that are, you know, don't want to see it closed in May. So what are your thoughts here? I mean... Are we going to reopen in May? Well, let's get our guest thoughts on this, as a matter let's of fact. Let's do it. Uh, so I'll bring Ryan Dietrich on. He's a senior market strategist at LPL Financial. Uh, joins us periodically here on Pre-Market Prep. Ryan, good morning. Oh, let me, let me unmute you here. How's that? There we go. You tell me. You uh, hear me okay? Yes. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Uh, Ryan, well, what are your thoughts here as far as uh, potential timelines that are being discussed to reopening the economy? What would be too soon? What would be too late? Do you have do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, first off, guys, thanks for having me back. But that's the ultimate question, right? And and you guys just hinted at it. Whenever someone in Washington, specifically the president, says we're looking to reopen things, what happens? The stock market rallies, right? I mean, that's what the stock yeah. market's looking forward to. But it's so difficult because we all know there's a potential second wave. There's obviously no vaccine, no major cure. Every day it seems like we're hearing some new biotech with something really positive. But my, oh, my, I mean, you know, our base case is this, this is probably going to be another four weeks or so of, of shutdown and then the slow rolling opening here and there. But it is just such a difficult situation where, you know, I mean, earnings season's starting, right? And it's like this could be the least you know, looked at earnings season ever because it's like, okay, we know everything was bad last quarter in the last couple months, but it's all about your guidance. But even then, do you really trust any company's guidance? Because everybody's kind of flying blind with what's going on. And that's what makes this such an amazing, difficult year. At the same time, you know, we're looking at this recession potentially to be the shortest recession ever, right? We had a six-month recession in the early 80s. And think about that. That was kind of Government enacted. That's when Volcker raised rates to kill inflation. This is a lot like that. We're clear this is kind of a government enacted. 80% of you stay home. Well, that's going to cause a recession. So can the government stop it and start things back up quickly? That's the ultimate question. But we really do think as violent as this is on the way down, with all we've all talked about this, all the fiscal stimulus, all the stimulus out there, monetary stimulus, the Fed does something different every day, it feels like. There's a lot of kindling for if we can get, uh, you know, kind of moving another quarter or so. 
boy, oh, boy, the second quarter, I'm sorry, the second half of this year, from an equity point of view, there's a lot of reasons to think it can go higher. And it's, again, last thing I'll say, then back to you, the stock market is not the economy in a situation like this. The economy is obviously horrible what's going on, yet last week, the best week since 1974, when you look at major, major weeks like that, 74, 2009, what happened last week, big weekly gains have happened at some major inflection points. As bad as it looks, wouldn't it be something if the market kept going higher here? I mean, the market's forward-looking. It's a good point yep. you're making. And, you know, I can remember taking that back, you know, and even when I was doing my CFA, I can remember, you know, reading chapters on it. It says it looks ahead six months. So if you're looking ahead six months, we're probably open. And maybe we're, you know, I don't know if we're going to be back to business as usual, but we could be back to some business. And that's what the market is banking on is that, hey, we see the curve flattening here. We see some light at the end of the tunnel here. So, and we've got a lot of you know, money managers who, you know, threw, uh, you know, all their money into, uh, uh, threw their money out of stocks and into money market funds back in March, and they're scrambling to get back in. And that's why every yeah, time Yeah, I mean, here's, I just got an email, the Bank of America, April Global Fund Manager Survey. Here's the highlight, but highest level of cash since 9-11. I mean, not surprisingly, let's see here, 93% of investors expect a recession in 2020. To be honest, I'm surprised it's not higher. But the reality of just this one survey of about $600 billion dollars, a lot of cash on the sidelines. It's cliche to say, but at the same time, when you, you know, everyone's asking, is there going to be a retest? Is there going to be a retest? And the reality is when you see 99% of stocks above your 200-day moving average, like we just saw the other day, that tends to suggest you're probably not going to see that ultimate retest. We definitely think stocks are going to consolidate and chop around. But to see the retest, just from a, as a technical guy, I remember when we made the lows and bounce, Every single person was talking about a retest, including myself. And it's like that contrarian in me wonders, is, are we just going to have a V bottom or maybe a square root bottom? But a retest is getting less and less likely when you see that much internal strength. I mean, it's extremely rare, and it normally means, you know, 6 to 12 months from now, boy, oh, boy, you're going to resolve higher. Like What's Joel a square root bottom? Go, square go root bottom. What, square what root bottom, you saying? Um, yeah, I mean, well, the square root bottom, right, is where it's down and goes up and then kind of goes sideways. So it doesn't make ha, that nice. double. It doesn't like go that. all the way back down. I've never, so, did you make it, that it, up? You know, I never heard that. Math. I've never heard that. Is that a Ryan Dietrich bottom? Is that, is that one of yours? You don't want the Ryan Dietrich bottom. That's not good. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I've heard the square root bottom with the economy, I've never heard right? That one. It's, I, yeah, I'm, I'm an, I'm, I, part, I play an economist on TV sometimes. It's, it's, you know, one of those, you know, kind I of goes sideways that. and not down. But yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of, you know, I always like using the Charlie. I think the bottoms are a Charlie Brown shirt, right? That's easy to understand. The Charlie Brown shirt, the frustrating time. It just takes time. And, you know, you talk about like, um, we've looked at the recessions, and, you know, it, it takes – in 87, for instance, we had a 34% correction, ballpark what we just had right now. It took 20 months for stocks to make a new high. You know, we think maybe we could be in another situation like that, but the reality was 88, 89, into the 90 recession, there are some really good gains, nice, slow, and steady, because everyone's just shell-shocked by what happened in 87. This is not 87, I'm aware, with the economy. But from a market point of view, that's one of those similar situations, and, and it just makes sense to us that the economy could bounce back. The upside potential is still there. What sectors, though? I know y'all had Spencer mm -hmm. has some charts you're going to yep. share with us and stuff, but... Uh, I mean, if the restaurant sector's toast and the hotel, I mean, those, you know, we're going to be the, the new sectors le leading us back. And you got tech, you got Zoom, you got Netflix, Walmart. What, what's going to be what's going to be the sectors to lead us out of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, our two favorite sectors are the two that have been leading most of this time, right? Technology and healthcare. 
Um, you look at earnings, and look at this earnings season, technology once again is one group that's expected to have positive earnings, actually, in the first quarter. And I know it's all about the future. But, I mean, there's just a lot of momentum there. And you look back at major market bottoms, back to the Great Depression, more often than not, about 75% of the time, three months off those lows, six months off those lows, technology tends to lead. And then healthcare, I mean, you know, look at like some big picture relative strength things. Healthcare is just breaking out, right? I mean, this is a group that potentially could lead for years. Now, you talk about what to maybe avoid or at least be a little skeptical of. Look at the tech bubble, right? Well, tech led into the tech bubble. Tech didn't do anything after the tech bubble. Financial crisis. Financials didn't do well after the financial crisis. Now we're looking at, you know, like you said, the restaurants and more of the, some of those consumer names. Those are the groups that are going to be the most hit by this crisis. And history, would, the playbook would tell us those are probably the groups that won't do quite as well. So overall, we still have a little bit of a uh, tilt toward growth also. The interesting thing there is when you don't have a lot of economic growth, investors reach for growth stocks. And we've got a little tilt toward growth. But technology and healthcare are two groups that we've been overweight for a while and we like. And we still like large caps over small. I know what happened last week where small had a huge rally as the Fed said they're going to start to actually buy junk bonds, which helps small caps. But bigger picture, we still have a little tilt toward our large caps that we're still comfortable there as well. Love those two sectors. And that's where I'm putting my long-term portfolio too. I've been talking about buying strong tech stocks on pullbacks. That's the, what, what I like here. You know, those growth names that we couldn't get before, um, you know, buying those on pullbacks is working. And then healthcare obviously is not a sector that's getting hit by this at all. So I completely agree with you. This dash for trash, which is really what we've seen in the last three weeks where a lot of the stocks that appeared to be going out of business in mid-March, those are the ones that have rallied the most. But again, they were beat up so much. But if you're coming and buying these things now, you know, like a Dick Sporting Goods here this morning, you get punished for that because it comes out this morning. And obviously, you know, there's, there's major issues there with, with some brick and mortar retail. And I mean, some of these sectors were in trouble before this whole thing started. So those are the sectors that I would avoid as well. What are your thoughts? I just want to get your thoughts on oil because it's obviously a sector that was in trouble as well. We saw a big yeah. historic deal apparently over the weekend. That rally got sold. I mean, you you know, if you just look at the USO even on the chart, it continues to really not, you know, perform well at all from a relative strength perspective. What are your thoughts on the oil sector? Uh, you're right. I mean, oil is a group in energy, really, I guess we'd say, out of the 11 S&P 500 sectors. We've been underweight energy for the four years I've been at LPL, and we're still in that camp. I mean, there's just it's demand, right? I mean, who's really dry? I mean, I drive like a mile to work. I stay for a couple hours and go back. Most people aren't doing that. I mean, the demand is just not there. You can cut all you want, you know, 10 million, 15 million, 20 million barrels a day. It just feels like the demand is nowhere there. Now, what the Fed did last week, saying they're going to start to buy the high-yield ETFs and high-yield bonds and the fallen angels, I mean, that's specifically going to try to help the oil sector, energy sector, which has hundreds of thousands of jobs in the United States. But from a pure investment point of view, that's just a group that we haven't liked for a while. And if and until we finally see some relative strength that actually lasts more than a couple of days in the group. It's just a group that we're not too uh, warm and fuzzy on. We still kind of stick with those uh, leaders, which are tech and healthcare, and just still kind of avoid the, or sell the rallies in energy stocks, in our opinion. All right, Ryan, uh, you sent us this chart here, or you sent us a few charts, but there's one that I love here of large balances being normal during a bear market. We just bounced, what, 25% in the S&P, something around yeah. those? Or something like that and this is just a, a a list of the major uh bull and bear markets and and the bear market bounces uh during said uh bear market as we got to the bottom here and it, it provides some context show us what the talk about the chart for us because it, it provides some context for how balances like these vicious bounces that lead to fomo and all, all sorts of crap and emotions how it's normal 
Yeah, I mean, that is the reality, right? In a bear market, some of those spectacular rallies to the upside happen. And for instance, we just had a 25% bounce in the S&P in 13 days. You can go back to July 1938, the last time we saw anything like that. And as the chart shows here, there have been some massive, massive bounces. I mean, late 2008, as bad as things were, stocks were up 27%. And then obviously the bottom fell out into March. You think about the tech burst in the early 2000s, the three-year bear market, we counted at least six, six of them, six separate 10% bounces along the way as stocks went all the way down, you know, it was a negative 49%. So the reality is big bounces do happen in bear markets. And I hate to say, you know, this time is different things that are happening. I mean, this bounce, though, when I look at some of the internal measures of it, I mean, believe me, we think we're going to pull back and have a nice correction. But to go back and retest, like I already hinted at, when 99% of stocks are above their 220-day moving average, that's incredibly rare stuff. I mean, think about 2018, right? We had the big 20% correction. And then three, two weeks later, everything was overbought. I mean, that's the hallmark of major lows when you have a, a washout market. And then two weeks later, everything's overbought. We're, we're kind of there. I mean, two of the last three weeks, stocks are up over 10%. Put that in perspective, since World War II, that means two of the best six weeks since World War II have taken place Recently, I mean, that's, that's pretty unbelievable. So, yes, this is a bear market rally. We're still classifying it that as of now. But just internally, boy, oh, boy, these, uh, this is positive. Then you see that Bank of America Merrill Lynch thing I talked about where highest cash in September 11. People still are very skeptical, at least in our view, of, of, of this rally. Some people have jumped on and got excited. And believe me, we need one more whoosh lower to get, uh, get some fear. But reality is this is um, positive signs to make it a major low, in our opinion. As terrible as the economic data is, this is how markets make their lows. And then I, I want to go to this big reversal years uh, chart you sent over of uh, the largest reversals for the S&P 500 uh, that they closed higher in the same year. So uh, the, you got the date of the lows, the max year to date loss, and the total return for the year. Walk us through this. Yeah, I mean, so we were down 30% for the year back on March 23rd. And then the very next day, the Fed kind of announced some new things that they were going to do. And that's where the market bounced, obviously. So as of, you know, the other day, we we're down about 15% year to date, approximately, or as of recently, I think we're approximately 15%. But the reality is, the question is, okay, as crazy as it sounds, right? Three weeks ago, we never would imagine this. Could stocks go positive this year? I mean, believe me, anything is possible. But history would say probably not likely. And here's what we're showing. The most of the years ever been down and year to date and finished higher was in 2009, as you can see there, down 25% for the year in, our, in March 9th, 2009, and then did finish up over 20%. So, you know, it's, it's nice to say maybe we can come back all the way being green. Reality would say that's probably not the case, but right now, you know, we think it makes sense. The year to date, S&P can be down between 5 and 10%. I mean, with some more volatility, most of us probably would take that when we were down 30% like we were a couple weeks ago. But it's just, it's a unique way to look at it. But the bottom line is big reversals can happen, right? I mean, you can have these, and it, where does it start? Or when do the big reversals usually happen? Early in the year, obviously. They happen early in the year, so you've got more time to come back. And that's one potential positive. You could say the negative is, well, there's a lot more time for this virus to have a second wave. And I, I, we get that. But still, there's still some time, which is obviously time's on your side as an investor. And this year probably won't be much different. Probably one of the biggest things I've learned during all this, as, as there has been more comparisons to the Great uh, to the Great Depression, uh, it's just mm -hmm. how how brutal a period that was. I mean, imagine being an investor in 1933, markets down uh, 20 percent at the end of February, and then ends the year up 44 percent. It's just mind-boggling stuff. Just mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, you know, stocks that lost what 86 percent, I think, from peak to low. And we've talked before. If you look at the Great Depression, though. 
there are some policy mistakes on the monetary side of things, the Fed yeah. tightened, on the fiscal side of things, the government decreased spending, increased taxes. You know, it was a global trade war. It was kind of a one-on-one on how not to extend your economy and how to extend a recession. So fortunately, we don't see any of those similarities. Also, there's no unemployment. There's no Social Security. So, yeah, it's maybe apples to oranges. But there's a lot of differences. But this, this recession is going to be the most violent, vicious one of our lifetimes. Let, let's hope, right? Knock on wood, let's hope. But boy, oh boy, the third and fourth quarter could be some of the best economic data we've ever seen in our lifetime if we can uh, kind of get past this um, and, and long as social distancing continues to work. And speaking of, speaking of recessions here, since World War II, how long do most recessions last? It seems like it's like 10 or 11 months based on your, your data here. Yeah, what we show here is 11 months on average, median of 10. And, you know, the reality, though, as the chart shows on the screen, markets are forward-looking, like Dennis said at the very beginning, right? You see it about, what is it, five months on average is where the markets bottom ahead of the end of the recession. This, you know, who knows if March 23rd was a low, but this could be the first time in history where a recession started and stocks made a low the same month. I mean, we don't know, obviously, but that's unique. But the reality is there's going to be some terrible headlines. The stocks are going to keep going up. And that's because stocks are forward-looking, as this chart shows you, where they bottom usually historically before the recession. The 2000s was the only time ever where the recession ended and stocks kept going down after the tech bubble. Wild valuations, huge bull market, a little bit different than now. Most every other time, stocks bottom ahead of the recession when the recession ends. And we think that's going to play out once again this time. Uh, Ryan, a uh, question and then a comment. Uh, what are you looking here for a turn? I, um, you know, I'm just looking, we've come back all the way 50%. That's a big number that I'd like to focus on. Uh, we teased with it on Thursday, didn't close above it. Uh, teased with it yesterday, didn't close above it. I think, you know, based on what we have right now, it looks like we're going to close above it. And then I right. see, a, you know, a quick move up to, you know, maybe the up, you know, 29.73.50. Uh, what are you keying in here? And, and I know you're a long-term guy, but just like over the next few days here, is there something that you're focusing on? Yeah, that 50% retracement. I mean, that, that's the thing that's right there. So we've had a little bit of trouble before, and that's, that's that. Now, from a more intermediate term, I love to look at the percentage of stocks above their 200-day moving average, right? Okay. That's right around 20% or so on the NYSE, and we were like less than 5% just a couple weeks ago. And major, major market lows tend to take place when that gets up above 25%. When more stocks are above their 200-day moving average, it's internal confirmation that something's changing under the surface, and that's what we're – so we're not there yet, right? We need a little more – uh, but that, again, is a further confirmation, in my view, that we're not going to see a retest of the March 23rd lows. <laughs> we'll get a pullback. Just uh, that, that's, that's a good thing we're watching every single day. And maybe after today's rally, if we have a rally today, um, we can get that number a little bit higher, closer to that magical 25% above the 200 days what we're watching. All right. And just, uh, just one um, final comment from me. There is a possibility that Michigan will not lose to Ohio State in football this year. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I was wondering if you were going to go there, but it, yes, there there is a chance. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, it's true. <laughs> I guess. Congrats. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe let's hope uh, not, though. I mean, but then, let's, and, let's hope we get losing, back to normal. But losing twice in 2021 would would not be good either. Uh, well, who, who's saying it wouldn't be good? I think it'd be great. Yeah. Can't lose, can't lose if you don't play. Can't yeah, lose if you I mean, don't Chris play. Chris Fowler said they may do the college football season in the spring. How weird would that be? Holy mackerel and conflicting with basketball. But let's just hope let's just hope that's not the case. Ryan, great information. Ryan Dietrich, LPL Financial, one of our top analysts that comes on the show. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. 
Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Uh, continue to climb yeah, here. We're off the, off. Yep. High off the pre-market session at 28.08. First target would be yesterday's high at 28.19.50. Triple D, big buy balances out there. What are you seeing? Yeah, they're significant. I wouldn't say it's probably where it should be I okay. mean, from what I'm seeing from the imbalances. We give you Johnson Johnson because the report. I'll give you the earnings once. 157000 to buy Johnson Johnson. Projected opening at this point in time is $145. Ooh. Obviously, that changes as new uh, as orders continue to come in for the next 35 minutes. JP Morgan, 121000 to buy. Wells Fargo, 201000 to buy. So Wells Fargo showing some significant buy uh, um, uh, or buying interest at the open, despite obviously the huge earnings miss here. Stock still trading in the green. So those are holding up well. If you want some other highlights, Abbott Labs, 99000 to buy. Again, on some of these days with the market rips, you actually see the COVID plays, and Abbott is a COVID play right now, actually go down. So that's one I might fade. Um, looking Boeing, holy Boeing, 280,000 shares to buy here this morning. It's trading up four bucks. Uh, just jumping over Disney, House of Mouse, 183,000 to buy. That's significant as well. It's trading up 2.9%. They're pretty much buys across the board, um, and they're fairly significant. So I'm not surprised the market's trading substantially higher. All right, Spencer, we got uh, about four minutes here. Uh, any yep. more earnings? Uh, earnings uh, to preview you know, from I'm... after close? Analyst ratings or just uh, Spencer jargon? Do we, do we have a new sign, Spencer? I don't think I've do seen we a new, new sign. sign. Yes, we do have a new sign. You want to see my new I sign? I can't today? see you right now. Why did you yeah. go away? There you are. There. All right, new sign is that guy today. Jay Powell paid for this sign. Did he really? Yep. He's <laughs> paying for everything else. You got your check already? <laughs> he's paying for everything else. So you didn't get your check already, did you? Uh, no, I did not. But apparently, we're, everyone's supposed to get them by like the 18th. I would have I, thought I need... that sign would go up on the 18th then. <laughs> okay. yeah, so you pre, you're pre-buying the, stuff with the, your Jay the, Powell money. The, the sign is the sign is forward looking. What can I say? <laughs> no, no, uh, I, I didn't get money yet. I know people. Is Jay have... Powell gonna send me a check? No, <laughs> no. Justin Trudeau um, maybe, but yeah. I don't think I qualify. Actually, I don't think I get a check from Justin Trudeau either. Although no. I guess in Canada you can get uh, something for your kids or whatever. My wife was looking into that. So a couple two hundred dollars a kid or something. Uh, as, far as, as, far as, as far as earnings after the close here, we're, we're going to get uh, J.B. Hunt, and we're going to get a stock that was mentioned on yesterday's show, the Valance Company. It's a cannabis play. VLNCF is the ticker on that. Uh, those are the two that are on my radar for after the close today. And then as far as earnings tomorrow morning, let me pull the calendar here in the pro. We got yeah. some big ones. Yeah, Goldman yeah. Sachs, Bank of America, Citigroup, UNH. <laughs> Uh, all, all tomorrow morning. So we got some big names. And then Thursday, you're getting AMD. First look at the tech. Um, Abbott Labs, too. And then Friday, you're getting Honeywell and Schlumberger. Yeah. I don't know how many people are excited for Schlumberger. So you got some big, obviously, we always say financials kick off earnings season, and they do. Um, so you're getting all the big names, you know, really tomorrow. Bank of America, City, Goldman, Morgan, holy mackerel, it's going to be the banks if wells fargo and Citigroup are any indications the bar is set very low obviously so we'll see how they come out but hard to be a seller ahead of these earnings reports when they're buying on my bad earnings yeah uh, and uh any ratings i i saw this oh, one stock tesla getting, tesla yeah. we talked about did you see the c-o-r-r 
thing is getting. What did you see? What it did? Yeah, they they they're coming out, so they're not. They're, they're one of their biggest customers, not paying them rent, which you know is is obviously an issue. But then they cut the dividend. So yeah, so Spencer, wow. I'm taking your you're usually the news guy. All right, uh, Cox Oil is the company is their tenant who is suspending their rent payment. So as we're not paying. Of that, Right. Core Energy is lowering their dividend to uh, five cents a share. The REITs, the point of owning a REIT is to get paid the dividend. So when they get hit on the dividend, obviously, hopefully that's only going to be temporary. But we don't know in this case. Obviously, a lot of these REITs, we've talked about a few of them before. We don't know who's going to survive. I'm scared of all this stuff. But they're getting hit substantially. Um, you can look at the preferred stock, too, which is CORR.PRA, and that's getting slammed to the tune of 20% here this morning as well. So they're hitting it. When your biggest tenant or your one of your big tenants decides to not paying the bills, it's never a good thing. Definitely. Nope. All right. Eight, uh, eight what about the ratings? So we didn't just want to give poor. Sure. There has to be some pretty good ones in there, too, Spencer. Uh, no, I mean, upgrades really? not that much jumping out. Workday, oh, thanks. I, I'm All on right. Workday in my long term yeah, portfolio. Workday's up in Morgan Stanley to over to uh, overweight. Coupa Software up in Morgan Stanley to overweight. Uh, Chubb up at Deutsche Bank to hold. I don't know. This doesn't interest me as far as downgrades are concerned. Uh, Etsy downgraded. Okay, Etsy downgraded BTIG to neutral. Doesn't do a lot for me. Here downgraded city. Well, whatever floats your boat. Um, yeah, yeah. Deer to neutral at city is notable. Square to neutral at UBS is notable. I guess CME to underperform at Keith uh, is interesting. Chronos to neutral Piper Sandley. I don't know. Ah, nothing, nothing. Yeah, not. Nothing. They're just not influential. I mean, when you look yeah. at this one, here's Square downgraded. Square's trading up 2.7%. We've been talking about the ratings meaning almost nothing. I mean, on the little stuff, you know, and on Tesla, they're always going to mean something because it's a widely followed stock. But, you know, on some of the little stuff, it might. But on your big names, you're getting upgraded, downgraded. It's just noise at this point in time. They are moving with the overall market. I mean, on a normal day, Square gets a downgrade, it's probably going to be down, but that doesn't matter because we're just moving everything with the overall market here. Market's up 1.8%. Square's beta is higher. It's grabbing it off of that. They're completely ignoring the downgrade. The one contrarian here is Oppenheimer is initiating IQ at an outperform. So coming out bullish on the the, the names where I think we saw IQ. I think it was well, wasn't Muddy Waters saying yeah, that, this, saying they, that they, they could be accusing the them of fraud. They could be the next Luckin Coffee, is what they said. So uh, oh, that's interesting. Out. Oppenheimer out bullish on IQ this morning. Is I think it was Muddy Waters, um, if I'm, I'm remembering yeah. right, that was accusing so. them. So we have no confirmation that IQ is doing anything wrong, but we had a big no. short seller that was obviously accusing them of doing some wronging, wrongdoings. So interesting, it's popped back significantly since that you know report. There you can see the low fourteen dollars and fifty one cents uh, stock is lifting here this morning on the upgrade. I'm not buying anything uh, China right now, except I own Alibaba. I'm just, I'm scared after the luck and coffee issue. Um, I, I'm just scared. <laughs> I, I'm a little turned off on some China, China stocks. If I'm going to buy them, I'll just buy an ETF. That's what I say. All right. Uh, that'll be it for our show. I want to thank our guest, Ryan Dietrich. Thanks to all of you in our chat, both of them, the one on YouTube and the one on premarket.benzinga.com. You can always catch a replay of our show on YouTube or catch the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, or tune in. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Joel and I will be back with you at 340. 
In the meantime, everyone, have a great rest of your day and stay safe wherever you are. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.